Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Um, I have a message from 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to highlight some verses and I'm not going to read the whole verse. I'm not going to read the whole verse. I'm going to just highlight some things. I won't read the whole verse. Um, we, and we know the story of 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to highlight some things from verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn? This is prophet Samuel. Now Saul had disobeyed God. Saul had disobeyed God and Samuel was mourning. That Saul had disobeyed God. And this is what God told Samuel. He said, how long would you mourn Saul? For I have rejected him as king. So he told him, now I want you to get up. Stop crying. Fill your horn with oil and go to another city. Because I have anointed another man after my own heart. His name is David. But Saul says something here. Saul says, I cannot go. Why? So, no, Samuel, actually, Prophet Samuel says, I cannot go and anoint another person. Why? Because everybody understood the implications of Prophet Samuel coming. If Prophet Samuel came in here, it was either blessings or cursing. So whenever he showed up, they were like, oh my God, what happened? Did we do anything? What has happened? Is our world? No. So when he showed up, he told God, I cannot go. Because if I showed up, the men, the elders will ask and wonder what is happening. And God told him, I know you were scared. I know you were afraid. So what I'm going to do is take a heifer, take a lamb. And when the man asks you, where are you going? Tell them you are going to sacrifice. And actually go and sacrifice. And after sacrificing, go and tell Jesse to bring his sons. And the Bible says that he consecrated Jesse's sons. And there was still one more left. And he wanted to anoint them as king. And God said, no, 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 not, not this. And eventually he asked for David. And David came and he anointed David as king in place of Saul. And the Bible says in chapter 17 verse 50, it says, Now David was anointed by Samuel and he triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And there was nothing in his hand. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the sheet. And after he killed him, verse 51, he cut off his head. He cut off his head. Father, we ask for the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. For the next few minutes, we're going to share your word. We ask that you fill this place with your anointing and your power like never before. That we're not just going to be hearers of your word, but we are going to be doers. Not deceiving ourselves in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. In the book of Genesis, God begins to reveal his power to us when he began to create the heavens and the earth. The Bible says the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Bible says something, that God still moved. The darkness did not stop God from moving. God still moved. It was dark and God still moved. Before there was a bird in the air, before there was a fish in the sea, before there was vegetation, the Bible says the Spirit of God still moved. The Spirit of God moved. And when the Spirit of God moved, then God said. God did not say till the Spirit of God moved. Most of us are waiting for a move of God. 
but we don't want to plug into what God is doing. Whenever you sense a move of God, you know that God is about to do something in your life. God would always make moves first before he makes news. God would always make moves before he makes news. He moved first. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. So God is always moving. He says, let there. Let is a word of permission for expression. That means there is something locked up that needs expression. You might not have seen the light, but when God says, let there be light, it means the light was locked in somewhere and it had to be expressed and created. So this morning, when you felt the move of God, it means we are in a perfect environment for let there to happen. So I don't know what you need this morning. It might be let there be peace in my home. It might be let there be increase in my business. It can be let there be wholeness in my marriage. Whatever it is, everybody say let there. When you say let there, something goes and begins to manufacture and manifest what you are believing God for. Because God is always moving. He's always moving. He's always moving. But as I thought about this concept, I asked myself, how can a God who created location be bound with location? How can a God move? How can a God that is everywhere move? How can a God that created movement move? As I thought about it, God told me, I don't really move locations. I don't really change locations. I change situations. So when we say God has moved, in reality, what we are saying is that God has really changed our situation. Someone has cancer and is healed of cancer and says, God moved in my life. God just changed your situation. He did not change his location because he's everywhere. In other words, God does not change directions. He changes dispensations. He changes times. He changes seasons. So whatever you're believing God for, God can move in your life. Ask. Because God is always moving. He said, I am that I am. In other words, I can become whatever you want me to become for you. His name is an open check. I am dash. I am healing. I am breakthrough. I am wisdom. I am peace of mind. I am healing. Whatever you need. He says, I am that I am. So God is always in the business of moving. He fills every place and he is in every space. He's always in the, in, in, in the business of moving. All through the Bible, we see shifts. We see God moving. That's why he's not just the God of Abraham. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When the first Adam failed, he moved over to the second Adam, Jesus. When Moses died, he moved over to Joshua. When the New Testament, when the Old Testament expired, he moved over. To you all through the Bible, you see God moving and shifting and moving and shifting. If you want God to move in your life, 
then you have to be ready to move when God is moving. Most of us, want God, we want God to move, but we don't want to move when God is moving. How can God move in your life when you don't want to move when he is moving? You want to change, but you don't want to change when God is changing. How does that happen? And that's where I want to put, that's where I want to hang my hat on. Because in this text, you see a prophet called Samuel. He was mourning Saul. And God said, why are you, why are you mourning something that I have moved past? God says, you are spending your energy on something that doesn't give you motion. You are spending your, you're expending your emotions on something that doesn't give you motion in life. Most of you are today perhaps like prophet Samuel. Samuel was gifted. Samuel was anointed. Samuel was appointed. Samuel showed up and the whole place stood still. Yet he was stuck. Could it be possible that you were stuck because you're mourning something that was once anointed? Could it be possible that you are stuck? Could it be possible that you were stuck because you are mourning something God has replaced? Most of us, think that our anointing and our qualification and our gifting would exempt us from being stuck. No. This guy almost anointed the wrong person as king. Because he was stuck. And perhaps you're stuck in the wrong occupation, stuck in the wrong relationship, stuck in the wrong place in life. And you're asking God, I don't see a future beyond this. I want you to know that for every soul, that you leave there is a David God has prepared for you. David is a man after God's own heart. For every soul that you leave, there is a, there's a man after God's own heart. There is a job after God's own heart. There is, a, there is a business after God's own heart. There is a relationship after God's own heart. For every soul you leave, there is a David waiting for you. The first key in this text is shift. Everybody say shift. No, look at your name and tell them, shift. Shift. Because there has to be a paradigm shift all weekend. Pastor talked about it. There has to be a change from the old wine skin to the new wine skin. You cannot expect anything different if you are indifferent. You have to shift. Everybody say shift. No, somebody say shift. Now look at your neighbor, the one you have not spoken to this morning, and say shift. I always like to say, if you are not part of the movement, then you have become a monument. If you are not part of the movement, then you have become a monument. My question for you, church, is are you traditional or are you transitional? Shift. Most people, it's not that you were not anointed like Samuel. It's not that you are not known. It's, you just feel stuck. 
And God is saying, all you have to do is to leave it and move on. And you say, God, you don't understand. God understands. God, you don't understand. I was the one that anointed Saul. What are they going to say about my ministry? What are they going to say about my business? What are they going to say about this? They're going to say I'm, I'm a fake prophet. They're going to say this and that. God says, it's about me. It's not about you. Shift. Shift. If you were going to experience the shift and the paradigm move and shift, pastor is talking about, then it cannot be something we are talking about. It has to be something you are doing. Shift. Look at your neighbor and say, shift. No, no, look at them with an attitude like they have been stuck and say, shift. Look at your other neighbor like you're trying to cast out something and say, shift. Saul represents people's choices because Saul was the first king and the, the nation of Israel wanted a king. So they said, we want Saul, we want Saul, we want a king. And their choices gave birth to a Saul. So Saul represents people's opinion, people's mindset, what people have said about you. That's what Saul represents because Saul was a product of people's opinions and decisions, imaginations, comparison. I want to be like other nations. That's what Saul is. And you have to kill Saul in order for David to leave. Somewhere in you, there's a David trapped in and God is saying your David can never manifest till your Saul dies. Till people's opinion dies. Till people's decision dies. Come on, come on church. I'm coming. I said, till people's decisions and their opinions and their expectations dies. How many Davids are crying out for expression? And most of you have them stuck with a soul that was once anointed, that was once appointed, that is in a position, but that doesn't have the unction for the position. Saul represents also the first. He was the first king of Israel. And I want you to know, church, for every first things you have lost, God has another after your heart, after his heart. He was the first king. If you lost the first marriage, you lost the first house, you lost the first job, the first time the bank turned you down, the first time you, when was the first time you did something and it failed? God says, do it again. Love again. Forgive again. Do it again. Because for every time you take one step, there is a David that you are about to unlock that is a man after God's own heart. Love again. Forgive again. Give again. Believe again. Because there is a David that is about, that is inside crying out for an expression of life. For every first you have lost, there is a next. For every first you have lost, there is a next. For every David that you have, for every soul that you have lost, there is a David waiting. A David after God's own heart. There is a David after God's own heart. And I want you to know something. I got to rush this. I want you to know something. Saul. Actually, Samuel was afraid of Saul. And he says, I can't do this because of fear. I can't. I cannot go and anoint another person while Saul is still alive. You guys know how Saul is. Saul is big and he's going to, if he's not going to use anointing, he's going to use annoyance. And 
I've never heard in the Bible where failure killed people. It's the fear of failure. The Bible says over 365 times, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And a lot of proponents have said that that is really because God wants you to know for every day of the week or every day, do not be afraid. It's not, the, it's not failure that keeps people down. It's the fear of failure that keeps people bound. God doesn't say do not fail because you cannot fail in reality because you are like Christ. I'm not getting me started because I'm going to go there. Because I've never seen a bird attend flight classes. I've never seen a dog attend barking classes. Uh, uh, this is how you bark. I've never seen a fish at attending swimming classes. Because it's in their DNA. It's in their nature. So why, are you, why do you think I'm going to teach you how to be successful when you're already successful? Because it's in your DNA. You are born of God. Are you kidding me? That's who you are. I cannot teach you how to be successful. You just have to walk in the success God has given you. This is who you are. That's your identity. All I do is to reveal and show the mirror, the picture of God's word. I say, this is who you are. And so we are in this place where people are full of fear of failing. And God says something. And I'm going to have to rush this. And God says, take a lamb. Take a sacrifice. And God doesn't tell him, why are you scared? Are you crazy? Black? No, God says, I understand your fear. Take a lamb. And when you go, go ahead and sacrifice. Watch this guy. Watch this. God tells him, take a lamb. What would have happened if Saul or if Samuel did not go with a sacrifice? He would have been killed. Because Saul doesn't take, I mean, he is going to kill you because you are trying to Take his throne from him. And that was the legitimate fear. So God says, I know what's going to happen. Go with the sacrifice. So instead of you dying, the lamb will die in your place. Listen, listen, church. The paradigm shift will not happen without the sacrifice. The first sacrifice is not the sacrifice that you give. If this is the first sacrifice that was given on your behalf. That lamb reminds me of the lamb of God. Where prophet Samuel was supposed to be dead. It was the lamb that died in his place. So God told him, don't anoint with oil without blood flowing. Because wherever the blood goes, the oil goes. And God says, you cannot anoint Without the blood flowing. And the first thing he did was to kill the lamb. And that reminds me of Jesus who took my weakness and gave me his strength. So while he was killing that lamb, what Samuel was showing us was a type and shadow of Jesus that was on the cross and died for our sins. And so he took your weakness and gave you his strength. He took your pain and gave you his power. He took your sin and gave you his righteousness. He took your inferiority and gave you his love. And he gave you his boldness. That is the picture of Calvary. Before we sacrifice anything to God, we must understand that everything we have 
is because everything he has given us. The reason why our sacrifice is ineffective is because we don't understand the sacrifice he gave. The reason why you're giving and giving and giving and nothing is happening is because you are not understanding what has been given and given and given. When you understand that what I give is not because I want to show off. No, I'm giving because I have been given. Your offering makes sense and your offering produces and is effective. Your giving becomes effective when you understand the sacrifice of Jesus. Because everything we do and give is because of everything he has given. And most people teach on giving and it's not, nothing is happening. The church has not seen breakthroughs and growth and nothing. Because we're not talking about the gift that was given. When you talk about the gifts that was given... Then everything you drop in the offering basket, everything you give explodes because it's not about you. It's about what was given. So he sacrificed and he told them, call all the sons together. And they brought all the sons together. And the Bible says something. Give me five, ten minutes and I'll be out. And the Bible says something. The Bible says that Saul... Actually, Samuel consecrated David's brothers. And that's word. I, I was thinking about that word, Pastor Cyrus, because how would David's brothers be consecrated? And God says that word doesn't really mean consecrate, like when you want to consecrate a person to God and all of that. It just means that he performed a religious exercise on them. They were consecrated, but David was anointed. Yes, <laughs> There is a difference between consecration and anointing. The yokes are not destroyed by consecration. No, sir. No, sir. The yokes are destroyed by the anointing. Consecration means you understand how to say hallelujah. You understand how to jump and shout in church. You have a form of godliness. How, let me talk Bible language. It says you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. So you know how to do all of that. And they forgot David in his own anointing service. They forgot to invite David. The first is what shifts. Second is what sacrifice. And now David shows up and is anointed. I want you to know just because people forgot you doesn't mean God is going to forget you. No, I mean it. Just because people have forgotten you doesn't mean God is going to forget you. I always like to say this and people laugh. I said, just because I don't look like what you have in mind doesn't mean I'm not going to blow your mind. Look at somebody and tell them that. Just because I don't look like what you have in mind doesn't mean I'm not going to blow your mind. Hmm. I told a man yesterday, we had, a, we had an awesome time. I told a man yesterday, people can draw negative conclusions about you. But it's up to you to be drawn into those conclusions. There is no man that is the judge of life. There's no man that says something and it has to be over your life. No. People's perception doesn't have to be your limitation. Your perception doesn't have to be someone else's limitations. Anyone can judge you, but I refuse to live in the reality of your verdict. 
They tell you, oh, you would never make it. That's your verdict. But I refuse because I'm not your prisoner. I refuse to live in the reality of your verdict. That's for you. Pastor Sai says something. He says you are ensnared not by what people say, but by your own words. So you can say it and say it and say it and say it. You are not the judge. I refuse to live out what you're speaking out. So they forgot David. They must have said, oh, you are a loser. You would never make it. You were good for nothing. And he was at the backside of the desert. But he was called and he was anointed. And the last point I want to make is that you cannot experience this without a shift, without a sacrifice. And the next word is slay. S-L-A-Y. People want the anointing because they just want to sit down and warm the pews. <laughs> you have been anointed to kill the lions, to kill Goliath, to kill the bears. Don't ask for the unction if you don't want to function. Most people want the unction just to have a position. Listen. Listen, listen, there is friction where there is a joint. So wherever there is movement, there should be lubrication. So if there is no function and movement, don't ask for the oil of lubrication. God doesn't anoint the place if there is no motion. Most of you just want the oil that you want to sit down in a place. God says, no, David, when I anoint you, then you go and take out Goliath. Because other people have been consecrated, but you are anointed. Church, you have been anointed every Sunday morning and Wednesday. You are laid hands on. It doesn't stop here. Go out into the marketplace. Go to your job. When you hear the word sickness, lay hands on them. When you hear the word depression and you come into work or you, wherever you are and you sense depression, open up your mouth because you have been anointed. To slay the giants. You have been anointed to take out Goliath. There is a reason why you have been anointed. God did not put that unction in you. And bring you down to life church. Just to sit down and warm the pews. No you are not the light of Louisiana. You are the light of the world. Wherever you are. You have to slay something. You have to kill something. You have to take out something. What are you killing? What are you slaying? What are you doing with the unction and the power of God in your life? What are you doing with the anointing and the power God has given you? What have you killed? Show me the Goliath. Show me the lions. Show me the bears. Show me the trophies. Show me. Let me know. What are the testimonies in your life that is showing that you are doing something with what God has given you? Or do you just, you want the mantle? You want the title? You just want to sit down? What you don't use, you lose. Slay. 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 You would be shocked at what would happen if you stretch your hands to pray for the sick. You would be shocked at what would happen if you open up your mouth and speak out a word. You would be shocked. The same rod, the same rod, the same rod. He put it on the ground and the rod became a serpent. Moses' rod. The same thing he had been neglecting. The same thing he, he was just using. The same rod. That was the same rod that brought out a nation 
from slavery. That same rod, one rod. You will be shocked that he threw the rod on the floor and became a serpent. Most of you don't even know what you have. When you cast what you have on the ground, in an act of surrender, you will be shocked at what would happen when you open up your mouth and tell your wife, I love you, you are blessed. You will be shocked. The church, listen, I don't know why I went there, but let me just say this. Husbands and wife, listen to me. As husbands, the Bible compares our relationship with, the, with Christ as Christ loved the church, husband and wife. And think about that. The church comes in and God pronounces the blessing. And God says, you are blessed and all of that. Most of the times, the husband are silent. You cannot be silent in your home. You have to be the one to step up and open up your mouth and speak. If you want to change what you're, where you're staying, change what you're saying. As long as you have a voice, you have a choice. Closed mouth is a closed destiny. Situations don't respond to you. Listen, your mouth is, your mouth is not just for eating briskets, Rema. Your mouth is for changing situations. I'm going to close with this. You know, Paul and Silas were in the middle of a, a, a prison and the jailers always tell this story. The jailers actually forgot something. They tied their hands and tied their feet and tied everything they could tie, but they forgot one part. As long as you have a voice, you have a choice. You can kill things. You can slay things. So when you leave here today, you see the sick, you see the oppressed, you see the addicted. It might not be them, it might be you. The Bible says you lay hands on the sick. The Bible doesn't tell you not to lay hands on yourself, the sick. So if you are the sick, you lay hands on yourself. Because you have God on your inside and you're obeying his words. You have been anointed to slay something. You have been anointed to get a testimony. So look at your life. And look around and if there is any Goliath and if there is any giant, if there is anything that is in opposition in your life, that is the reason why you came to church and you have been anointed to take it out. Instead of calling pastor, take it out. Instead of calling pastor and shouting and say, you lay your hands and you're going to see what would happen when you believe. You would be shocked I like what Daniel Colander says. He says, the easiest part of my ministry is the supernatural because I don't do anything. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's stand up on our feet. There are a lot of things I would have loved to say, but that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. The, the, the most important thing has been said by God's grace. The most important things. Church, I want you to know something, first of all, that there has to be a shift in the realm of the spirit. In your mind, there has to be a shift, a change in your decision, in your relationships, in the things you do. There has to be a shift, first of all, and there has to be a sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. But before you think about sacrificing anything, it has to be hinged on the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life for me. Jesus gave his life for me. And that's why I can give anything I am. Give my time, give my talent, give my treasure. Everything I give. It's because of what was given to me. And when God anoints you, don't just sit down. Don't just shake people and give them high five. No. You have to go out and kill some giants. 
Because the whole nation is waiting for you to kill the giant. The Bible says the whole earth is waiting for the manifestation, not the explanation. We've done a lot of explaining. We know how to explain things. The whole earth is not waiting for the explanations. They are waiting for the manifestation. What we want is evidence. Evidence and excellence. That's what we want. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.